podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When people asked us what kind of dog Maverick was, we were always stumped. Now we know thanks to Embark's dog DNA test. He's a golden retriever mixed with Siberian Husky. We also got his health results and shared them with our vet. Embark is the highest rated dog DNA test and a must-have for any pet parent. You can test for 350 breeds and 190 genetic health conditions. Get free shipping and save $64 today on a breed and health kit with promo code DNA at EmbarkVet.com. It's got to 2-2 two, two and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Yo! Hello and welcome to another Touchy Gunas podcast. My name is Lewis and um, today I'm joined by a very special guest. We've got the, uh, the Telegraph's uh, Jeremy Wilson with us. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. I'm also joined by the rest of the gang who um, will probably be remaining silent for most of the first part, but they'll, they'll chime in. I've got Dan, I've got Shabs, I've got Sean, and I've got Leroy with me. So it's kind of like a packed Zoom room at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, Jeremy, I'm, I'm keen to get into you because you, you're like... You're like uh, Arsenal's first ever ITK. You're like one of the originals where, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you were the go-to guy for all Arsenal uh, news. And um, I'm just kind of interested in how you got into, because you're not an Arsenal fan, are you? You're a Southampton fan, I believe. I am. No, I'm, yeah, I'm a Southampton fan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm just kind of interested in how you actually got into covering Arsenal and um, and how you became like maybe the David Ornstein equivalent of of Arsenal in 2008. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I was, well, I was just, I was a, a I was, I, I worked in Southampton before at a local newspaper and then I was at The Guardian for a time and then at The Telegraph doing London football. And then I did more across the South, but um, just an opportunity came up to, we, we at that time, it's st still generally true, we tended to have one person focus on what were then the kind of four big clubs, which uh, which which at that point was obviously Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool. They tended to be the four, probably in terms of interest as well, in terms of those, uh, sort of web hits and, and the kind of fan base. They were probably the four, the four big ones. And they tended to be the one as well that, I mean, for a while, that was the top four pretty much it quite a lot of seasons in a row from memory around that time and then obviously Manchester City have come come along so slightly chat and Tottenham as well but uh, so, so we, we, don't, we don't mention them on on our podcast you know, they, I suppose <laughs> it's become more of a six now isn't it in the last few years but at that time so, so they kind of put one person on sort of reporting covering those clubs um most of the time so I I, I I I was keen to do it I had the choice between Chelsea and Arsenal at the time and I was keen to do Arsenal um, Chelsea were probably doing a bit better in the league and actually Chelsea was a bit more where, where I'm still based a lot around the south Chelsea was a bit more convenient to, mm. to cover as well but I wanted to do Arsenal because I was interested in um, Arsene Wenger and the sort of wider story of whether at that point you'd, you'd just been a few years into the stadium slipped back a little bit Manchester United Chelsea were, were tending to win the league and I was really interested in that sort of narrative of can 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 you do it like like he tried to do it? Can you go for the young at that point is building the Fabregas, Van Persie, Daniels, and there was a lot of young players in the team. Bentner and uh, trying to build Adebayor, trying to build uh, this this young team that could maybe take out Manchester United and Chelsea, who obviously had the much more established players in in the in in their team that, you know, there's the sort of John Terry, Jan, uh, Frank Lampard team and United had sort of Rio Ferdinand, Ronaldo, Rooney. And I think Arsenal actually, so I was attracted to that following that kind of narrative. And I think Wenger's really interesting anyway. So I, I thought, yeah, I'd like to cover Arsenal and, and spent about 10 years, really to the end of um, Arsene Wenger's time uh, covering them. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that you got the, um, you, you, you got a, a quite, changed and seasoned Arza Wenger towards the end of, of his tenure. And I was just, um, I was wondering what were the differences between Wenger when you first, you know, started covering Arsenal and then towards the latter? Because, you know, to us, it, it, he, I, obviously it seems like an obvious thing to say, he did age on the job and it did seem like the job was really getting to him. And it was quite sad towards the end, just seeing yeah. him, you know, deteriorate kind of. At the start, when I first came in, he was still very much, this was, so this would have been, I did a bit of Arsenal in 07 as well, and even 2006, 7, but not sort of full on. So from 2000, and, and, and as I was coming in, it was still very much that time when Arsene was the kind of, the great man, the messiah, the kind of, and, and there was a reverence, I, even with some of the journalists as well, and definitely in how he was viewed, there wasn't that, that kind of Wenger out, swell that, that that happened in that period there wasn't any of that the people that were that that became um of, of the fans that i got to know who did some of the fanzines or the from the arsenal supporters trust and or the different the different fan groups 
um, they, I can, I'm thinking back to them. They were all they were all still really Wenger's the the king sort of thing at that point. And obviously, a lot of people at different different stages along that time kind of got to the view that he he should go. So definitely at that point, he 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 was still at the kind of back end of that. Everybody hung off his his sort of every word, and he, he as his sort of stature was really was really high. But it did. It, it, I was coming in at the point where it was starting to tail off because it's still, although it'd been a few years since you'd won a trophy and, and there was this narrative around, can, can you do it with this young team? People were just beginning to lose faith. And then, as you say, it was almost like a, he was like a sort of, I think I wrote a thing, I don't know if it quite makes sense, like a rock in the sea that was just getting eroded every, mm. getting bashed every, he was always still there. Yeah. But, but like every yeah. Season he was getting is a part of the landscape that was kind of immovable, but it was just it got chipped away at every every season, and it was quite. I did find it quite sad sometimes, especially after some of those real big, because there were a few. Although there were some ups as well, and there were moments where you thought, oh, maybe that. I remember that when you beat when you beat Barcelona in the um, in the first leg of the Champions League one year, and then I think you were in the League Cup final against Birmingham, and I really felt that was a. a I think I thought you were closer than perhaps a lot a lot of people thought to 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 maybe doing the things because you got to like a Champions League semi-final you were playing Barcelona in the last eight you got you know you beat beat in the okay no one really thought you'd probably win the second leg but you beat that Barcelona team which was the best team anyone had, had seen I didn't think you were a mile off at that point so there were moments where it, he looked like he might get back to it but Overall, it was that gradual chipping away, and he did. And after some of those real walloping defeats, the, there was a few. As you, as you, yeah, as don't, you, don't, don't remind me, Jeremy, please. Don't remind <laughs> me. I still have nightmares. <laughs> he seemed to, yeah. I mean, the funny thing with it, that time, you, you'd have a, you'd have those moments where there was some real bad ones, and then, he, and then usually, in fairness, you'd then recover and win a few, and it would sort of settle down, and then there'd be like a five 0 against Chelsea or something mm. like that, and you'd be like. And you'd look at him, and I always remember that Birmingham League Cup game, League Cup final that you lost, and I, which I said, as I said, I thought was a real pivotal, pivotal point. And he looked after some of those real big defeats. He looked when you were up. You know, we had the sort of privilege of being up close sometimes, and he looked physically different. He looked mm. grey, and he looked haunted by those uh, straight after those games. Yeah. Uh, you did. You couldn't help but but feel for him sometimes. But then I'd say the very that what was quite nice was a part uh, at the end after he announced that he was going. That last month, he kind of like suddenly look went back five years in time or ten. He looked. It's like the world had shifted. Off. And you see him now, and he looks. He looks radiant. Brown. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, <laughs> rejuvenated. He liked that yeah. in the last month as well of the um, after he'd made the announcement. That last month was really nice. Covering him actually he was much more chatty because he'd gone it gone a bit you know in his shell and a bit a bit um, at times I think he sort of felt everybody was out to get him a bit and or, or, or had gone gone into that sort of siege feeling and in the last month he 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 came back to the sort of much more although you'd have weeks where he was chatty and in, in a good 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 mood and was very expansive the last month he was fantastic and. That was quite nice that it was like that, even though he didn't quite sign off with the, uh, you know, it's a shame about the, the Atletico Madrid semi-final because that would have mm. been great if he'd have, 
if he'd gone out with, with that. Sure. Just to, just going back to obviously in 2008 was when you said you know where where we started to really tail off and obviously there's 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 so many theories as to why that was one being mainly the, the move to the Emirates which was obviously always used as like um you know this kind of uh, an excuse for Wenger a lot of the time for you know he didn't have the funds available to him you know the club was seized with debt. Um, that didn't allow us to spend. How 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 much credence do you give to that? And you know, what 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 part of the blame does Wenger have to take? And how hampered and um, hamstrung was he actually? I think he still did. I think he, it's difficult because it's all relative. He wasn't hamstrung compared to Southampton or, no. or West Ham or whatever. He was still one of the better. They, he was still one of the better wage bills and. Um, budgets but compared but it compared to Manchester United and Chelsea you were quite a long and then obviously when Manchester City got taken over in 2008 he he was very clearly the fourth biggest spender at that point and then probably there was Tottenham uh, sorry Liverpool were very similar to Arsenal because I used to look at it quite a lot so you kind of Arsenal and at that point Arsenal and Liverpool have roughly the same amount of money you were sort of some years Arsenal would have a bit more, some years Liverpool would have a bit more. But the other three, Manchester City, after they came, Chelsea and Manchester United, were, you know, just factually did have quite a lot more money at that point than Arsenal. So Arsenal weren't paupers compared to the rest of the league, but they were, he, 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 was, he was trying to win a league, certainly with a, a bit of an arm tied behind his back. Okay, you could say, well, Leicester proved it was possible, but I mean, that was pretty exceptional seasons mm. I think uh, I think what he was trying to do was a really big would have been a massive accomplishment if he had done it and I think and I think he did his really good I think he did still on balance it wasn't the heights that he'd hit before but I think that period I know it's I know that not everyone will agree and absolutely fair enough but I, I feel that period from 08 to the last year or two wasn't I don't think I, I don't think if you look at the spending and what everything that happened, I don't think you can say it was a failure or it was bad. It was terrible. I don't think that that doesn't really make sense to me. It wasn't as good as he had done before, and it wasn't what people hoped for. But if Mikel Arteta did that in the next ten years, I think people would say, yeah, pretty. He's done a pretty good good job there. To got top four pretty much every year, won the FA Cup a few times. I don't, got into other champ. Got into the latter stage of the. Champ. I don't think people would be saying, oh, that's rubbish. And it got a bit like that with Wenger. I think it got a bit too polarised, and I didn't. Mm, nothing I, that was I, ever I, good I would, enough. Yeah, I would defend. I would defend his record from. It wasn't invincible and exceptional and the Messiah and all the rest of it, but I think he did a, a, a much better job than people gave him credit for in that period. I think where you where I think some of the criticism is probably most valid is they you you, you then had that period where there was a chance that year Leicester won and the year after there was, it was a kind of transitional period for a lot of clubs and you'd started to pay off most of the Emirates. You'd, you'd, you'd spent big on, for the first time he was spending um, on transfer fees more than he was selling, if that makes sense. A lot of, a lot of the years it was more or less flat and the wage bill was quite, quite decent, but the actual in and out was pretty, pretty flat. But then when you had that around the time when you had Ozil Sanchez, that year Leicester won and perhaps one year after that, I think there were there was an, an opportunity there to, to to win. And I think actually you had that, as I said before, that year 
this sort of there was obviously the year when Eduardo broke 2008 his leg. He was, was that? close. Yeah, that was probably 08, wasn't it? And then I think a few years later, maybe 10, 2009, 10. I didn't think, although you tailed off really badly after the League Cup, I didn't think you were a mile off that Fabregas Van Persie team. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't think his work was. I thought it, the, I thought he did a good job in that period, but he was a. The problem was you'd moved to the Emirates on the, and and Wenger himself had set it up that we we want to become the best club in Europe. We want to, you know, that was the after what he'd done. It was we're going to the next level. So, mm-hmm. you know, by his own by his own hopes and expectations, he didn't make it. So I can understand and people were, were spending a lot of money on season tickets. But I still maintain, if you just looked at everybody's circumstances, it was a decent, he did a good job in that period. And then maybe a bit of a slight mischance in that, just that, that season or two when Manchester City were kind of getting, when Pellegrini was there, they weren't so good. Chelsea were chopping and changing. Ferguson had left Manchester United. There was a window of opportunity that didn't quite quite miss. But I, I never bought into them. I did... I did you know, I did find that period when everybody was sort of portraying Wenger as a sort of, a, as an outright failure. I thought that was completely unfair, really. It sure. wasn't what everybody had hoped for, but it wasn't, it wasn't the other either. I think it got a bit too, too, but you know, that's, that's football. That's how everybody treats fo- football. That's life really, isn't it? That people are very polarized. One extreme to the other kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's. I think as an Arsenal fan, just looking back, it, it, I 100% agree with you in the fact that there were there were several missed opportunities where you know Arsenal really you know had the chance to to push on or you know make some headway. But you know there was always this kind of um, feeling that Wenger was a bit of a divera in the in the in the transfer window. You know he 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 was a bit gun shy. He didn't he didn't pull the trigger on targets that you know, could really have been key to making that leap. And I was just wondering maybe if you had any insight into, like, for example, the uh, Luis Suarez deal, very infamous now, but, um, you know, a a signing like that really propels Arsenal when we desperately needed a striker. And I was just wondering, you know... I think that's a fair point. And I think the one that gets me, there's a few that, because as I was saying, when I came in and I was saying that I didn't feel like you were a mile off with that, you had the basis with that young team with Fabregas, Van Persie. Um, there were some good players in that team. Um, there were more good players. Our Shavin was good for a year or two, wasn't he? Riziki. You had a, there was a, there was a, Walcott was doing okay at that point. You had a decent, you know, cliche, Sanya, it wasn't a bad, it was a bad, but it, it, that was the frustration really, what you say, because you, Suarez was a, a fair, a fair point, uh, but uh, Alonso, he nearly got to mm. me, and, and you think what Alonso then did at Liverpool and uh, Madrid, and then you think what you were missing, just, that, it was that one or two player, and that was infuriating really, because you yeah. could, I don't know, I'm, I kind of say, when I watch these, I sort of think, well, I don't, I, I can't know more than Arsene Wenger and all his scouts. But it was sort of seemed so obvious to everybody that mm-hmm. one or two, you know, the right centre-back and central midfielder add, added to Fabregas, Van Persie, you suddenly, yeah, we're, we're there kind of thing. And it, and it never, and, and they w- weren't always the most expensive or they weren't impossible deals. And even 
even Suarez now was that was it thir- was it thirty million plus a pound? Forty million and a pound. I think. Sorry, yeah. yeah, my memory's my memory's going. <laughs> that would have been a bargain if they'd have done oh, no. fifty million, wouldn't it? In terms yeah. of what, then how good he he was. So definitely, they definitely didn't back himself. And I think, uh, I, I and I do think that the when he did get the money, a bit more money, it wasn't it wasn't Manchester City money, but it was more than he'd been working on for a few years. The Ozil and Sanchez signings, they looked like they might do it, but they just weren't quite the right people. Suarez would have been more the right person. And I think Higuain might have been a better bet in hindsight than Ozil. At the time, it felt like Ozil. But I think what he did with... I think what Arsenal needed was a player that uh, a, where he had the money to buy sort of out of the A, a bracket, which Ozil and Sanchez were pretty close to that. Maybe not the not, maybe not the absolute A bracket, but the net, but pretty pretty good. So he, he had the money to say pick two people of that sort, and I think he needed a, as well as the player, he needed the personality with it, and I think that sort of that would a real like nasty winner, per, not nasty, but a real winner and I think you know that like you had when you had Vieira in the team and like Suarez might have given you just something something with a bit of and because Ozil was lovely player as he is Ozil's not Ozil's not going to pick up a team by the scruff of its neck and make it better he, he'll he make a good team he's like the he's the oil and he'll make the good he'll make a good team maybe a bit better but he's not going to be the the driving force to to, to to pick up a team that's not quite there and uh, and so I think the select and then Sanchez was a, in the end where he got a bit sulky and all the rest of it was a bit the same and I just sort of felt like the selection of those two if you had 30 40 million at that point just didn't quite come off which was which was a shame yeah um lads I'll, I'll open the, the the forum to you guys if you've got any questions to uh, put towards Jeremy before he shoots off does it does Dan do you want to start yeah, I do have a question. Um, um, I'm particularly interested in, in finding out the process of where if you get a story, how do you source it? How do you how many how many um how many people do you have corroborating the story? Um, do you have to run it by a certain person? So just the whole um process of doing a story on Arsenal, maybe even a story that the club might not like. Like, what is the process here? Yeah, it's um. It's the same, really, with any with covering any story. It, it's quite random. I mean, you you would have you have sort of people that you would probably speak to on a regular basis, whether it might be an agent around a player, an employee at the club, could be someone quite senior, could be someone who works at the training ground, um, could be a family member of a player, uh, whatever. And so, so th- th- there's not really a this is a this is a this is a sort of archetype this is a, a a contact you know it could be anyone really that has a has a bit of insight it, it really it literally can be any or a player themselves or anything that I've any sort of range of what I've described and then really you you know you speak you you try and speak to people and you do yeah, you would run things by the, the the club. I mean, there's a sort of press office, and if if there was a sort of major story that you you wanted to check, then you would you'd certainly run it by them. And I suppose in in journalism, there's quite there's there's often a bit of a, a giveaway code with things because usually if you're writing something, they don't want you to write, and it's and you for whatever reason you've been given bad information, they'll normally 
deny it quite quickly. Usually if they don't comment, you know, then... You know, some credence to it. Yeah, you, it's not mm. a guarantee. Obviously, you have to... So you kind of... And, and obviously, as you get to know people, you get to, to, to know who, who, who's reliable and who you can trust. And that's a, that is a bit of a judgment call. Mm. So there's not really a typical contact as such it, it it really can be it really can be any anybody but you would you would always you'd always you know there's a lot a, a lot you know maybe some people just write any old thing but the good, honestly the good people who cover arsenal they check out their stories you know you mentioned david ornstein john john cross i know he sometimes like we all get a bit of stick on social media or whatever but he is an excellent excellent reporter of arsenal you know he might you know he Oh, if I uh, lost you there. Um, no, you're still here. Yeah, he, he, people like that, and David Ornstein as well, Sammy Mockbell, Sam Dean covering Arsenal for us now. There's lots of, uh, they, they check out their, their stories. They don't, we're, we're, not, we're not perfect. <laughs> we might sometimes get something not quite, quite right, the, I suppose. The, the, yeah, this, this is where my follow-up question will come from. Basically, just to kind of find out, um, so um, a lot of Arsenal fans kind of attribute our bad transfer dealings with even um, Ivan Gazidis and his relationship with Arsenal Wenger. So um, and also some of the rumours coming out. So of, of course there were there this famous quote of Gazidis saying, and in a few years time we'll be um, one of the best in Europe. We'll be competing with the likes of Bayern Munich and Barcelona. So kind of finding out um, how do the senior te- senior team um, Arsenal how do they communicate with the media? What's what's the relationship? Um, just to just to kind of get some insight here. Yeah, it's it's really um, there. There isn't a kind of set set answer to that. So generally, in terms of if you're quite if you're quite new to covering Arsenal, you probably you go to the press conferences. You if you had something to put to someone, you'd speak to someone in the in the they've got a sort of four or five people that you might go to who, who do various things in the press department. And you'd, you'd go through them. But then as time develops, you go to events, you go to things, you might get it, some, the chief executive might do a briefing and want to, or you might be at a European game and have a coffee one morning. And so, so like relationships develop and form. And so a chief executive might speak privately sometimes to a journalist that he knows. And that would be the same at any club. Um, or it might be a chief executive who doesn't like speaking to anybody or they only like to speak on the record so that everything they're saying is is sort of attributable or some people like to speak off the record the whole time and are quite want to get out there, want to get their side out there, but don't want to be named. Some people don't want to sort of get near the media with a barge file and just leave it all to the press office and they will just very occasionally appear before you know, before a big announcement or something like that. So there's all, it's hard to say that there's a set formula. I mean, I think Gazidis didn't do masses with the media, but he'd do every, maybe a couple of times a year, he, we, we, would, we would go and see him. So I suppose I got to know him a bit through just the fact that I would be the one who generally turn up at things. And then, you know, you, you just naturally get to, to know someone a little bit, but he wasn't, I don't think he is someone that played any sort of media game at all. He's pretty straight straightforward really what, what he did and I, I I don't know Rao Sanlehi and, and Vinay um, because as I said I've not been covering it day to day but I think they, they've come and introduced themselves to the media they, I don't think they do a whole lot of stuff I don't get the impression Arsenal is a particularly some clubs are a bit more leaky and brief stuff and 
yeah journalists i don't think that happens a huge amount at arsenal but that you know that does happen in football and journalism and it's just like sort of human nature really that you get relationships with people and that you obviously as a journalist you try and develop them but you, you only really you're only going to develop long-term relationships with people if you if you're if you are trustworthy and you know you you you, you they feel like you're fair and you don't sort of um break their trust on things so um, which is you know the same as any relationship with any person you meet really yeah, that, that they're yeah. always more as they trust you more just going back to your first point though i feel like the the standard that you guys um are held to by the general public is absolutely bananas <laughs> it's like if you get one thing wrong it's it it really it really gripes me because it doesn't mean your information is wrong it doesn't mean your information is wrong just because arsenal do not go and sign you know xyz it's it must be frustrating for you you get you have to have a bit of a thick skin on social media actually sometimes it's quite useful because we'd make you know you do stupid like anybody occasionally doing three or four stories a day you're busy or whatever you, you're tired and you make a little mistake about so and so signed in this year or has got a two-year contract and he's got three years left or whatever and social media is a great you're right though people read it people pick up everything so it's a great corrector if you do do a silly sure. mistake yeah. so i have i've had that before where i've oh christ i like whatever I said that he was signed for 10 million and it was 15 or whatever. And, and yeah. I'd check and yeah, yeah. And I, I have, a, I have changed one or two things and I've seen that, yeah. but, but, but in terms of the um, transfer stuff, it's, it is difficult because if you say, a, if you say a club's interested in them, somebody, then that's usually sort of taken as they're going to sign them. And if they don't sign them, it's kind of your fault or whatever. So yeah. it's a, yeah, you do get that. The the one that I always used to get was the uh, I still get it sometimes. If I mention it, it was about the the transfer war chest because we used to <laughs> we used to do like a we used to do a sort of we used to try and figure out what what Arsenal had to spend, and we were pretty good at it because it wasn't really that difficult because they it, it wasn't that much. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that much. It wasn't that much. They publish accounts, so you can kind of work it out. You know yeah. that they're going to keep. Ex- amount of money to pay the stadium and to, or you, I think there's a certain amount of security against the stadium mm-hmm. you, see, you can basically work it out really once you've once you've spoke to a few and then you might put it on and say oh uh, I reckon it's about 50 million this summer or 40 million and that someone might say to you oh that's a load of rubbish we've not got anything like that it's probably more like 40 or they're not but they normally go yeah that's about right so you're right yeah Arsene Wenger's got a transfer budget of 40 million and then of course you'd never spend it and then you get you'd sort of, <laughs> <laughs> you'd get the blame for that or he would or he would spend more and they 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 uh, I think they must have sold a few players or something like that but yeah we that, that always that always used to wind everybody up because I think if you said they had a certain amount of money, you'd almost get the blame if they did. If, if they, if they went a pound over or a pound under, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, lads, do you have um, do you have any more questions before we have to let Jeremy go? I've got one more. Um, sorry, sorry, what, what over covering your time in covering Arsenal? What was your favourite Arsenal memory? Something from like behind the scenes that we not, might not have been privy to. Oh, that's a that's a brilliant question because there'd be loads. There was loads of them with Arsene Wenger actually because you do get that, you do get that. I mean, the story connected to Arsenal that I enjoyed doing the most was um, there was two really. I suppose I, I managed to get an interview with Stan Kroenke where I went to Denver and went to got into his box at the 
Um, it was actually, sorry, it was in St. Louis, his NFL. So that was from a sort of journalistic point of view because he hadn't really talked much at that point. That was good. But the, probably the thing I most enjoyed was going, when it was Arsene Wenger's 20 years at the club, we were saying, what should we do? What could we do that's a bit different? Um, you know, everything's sort of been, you know, pretty much done most angles on him. And I was like, well, why don't we, um, one thing I, we hadn't, hadn't really seen anyone do it. And we do this quite a lot now. And you see it in like other newspapers as well. And media do this quite a lot where you go to like the hometown of somebody and you just go and see who's, try and meet a few friends and whatever. So I went to Arsene Wenger's village where he grew up in, it was near, it was on the, quite close to the border between France and Germany, this sort of quite small village. And I was thinking, and, and someone told me before I went that he had a brother that still had never, never left the village and still lived down the road from where they, they grew up. So I was thinking, so obviously I'm thinking to myself, uh, sort of, look, nobody's really interviewed this brother before. It'd be great to speak to Arsene's brother. So, um, so I thought, do I tell the club that I'm going to try and to the village? And I thought, well, if, I, if I sort of make a big thing of it, it might sort of spook people a little bit and might, I, I was sort of thinking, uh, maybe it's not the best thing to make a thing of it. I'll just go and see what happens. So I went and chatted to someone at the football club and they, had, they went to school with Arsene and then it was such a small village. It's like, oh yeah, his, that's where his parents lived. And that's, and oh yeah, his brother lives, do you want his brother's number? And I sort of like, oh, because it, it was that, it was that type of place. And, uh, the, the, and, and the, the football club was where Arsene started football. His dad, his dad had previously, I think, been the president or the chairman of the football club and had got their sort of artificial pitch built or got the clubhouse built. It was quite small. It was only a village of probably about five, four thousand, five thousand. So I thought, OK. I'll, and uh, so obviously that when they said, oh, yeah, you know, do you want do you want me to call Arsene's brother? So I was like, yeah, yeah, go for it. So they um, they called him and he was a bit they said he's going to speak to Arsene and he's going to and phone him, phone back in an hour. So I, at that point, I thought, what what are my sort of odds now? And I, could, I wouldn't pretend that um, Wenger knew knew me personally, but he knew, he'd know he'd know my face and he'd know my name, sort of thing, probably. You're too so modest. I, I know, I know, he, I know. You guys know each other on first name basis. So I thought, <laughs> so I thought at this point, it's probably better if his brother phones and is going to phone him up and say some English journalist has rocked up, you know. I thought it's better that he knows it's me than it. he doesn't know who it is, probably, because it's someone, at least he knows it's someone who, it's not sort of someone who's kind of digging around his private life or anything like that. He just wants to do a piece about them growing up together in the village. So I, I phoned up the club and said, oh, by the way, I'm, you know, just so you know, I'm in Arsene's village today. And uh, in case, in case, because another friend as well had texted him. So I thought, it, you know, they were that closer friends that you were sort of just running into. So I thought better to better that he knows who it is because he might be. He, I don't think he'd be that worried if he kind of knew 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 that it was. He, he would know what purpose we had for doing it. So um, so anyway, he came. I, I, we called back and he, he and he, and he was fine about us coming in and he said, yeah, come round. And he had all the photographs of there, you know, Arsene when he was sort of eight and 12 and all these and you know and told me all about their childhood growing up together in this uh, in this village so I was that was really nice because it, it was a, a from a journalistic point of view I suppose it's quite good because you got something different but also it was just really nice to kind of learn learn more about you know find out more about him and about how he had 
no, it, it was an, it, quite an interesting story about his family in the war and everything like this. So it was, uh, you know, and how he how he's very studious, very interested in other countries when he was young. A lot of people just stayed in the village, but he was he was always wanting to 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 do other things and to know about other countries. And he'd uh, obviously obsessed with football. He used to listen to the. He's told this story himself, but his brother told it as well. That. Their, their parents run the pub in the village and they would he would stay up listening to all the the kind of village team talking about football when he was a little boy and so it was it was really 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 rewarding to go and do that that story lovely guys um any uh, any other things before we let jeremy go because um yeah i've got a, uh, just a just, quick, yeah just a quick one shabs um you was, you were talking earlier, Jeremy, about um, the League Cup final against Birmingham being quite a decisive, a decisive moment where on field where you felt um, things went like that. That was kind of it. There was like a, a pivotal time. Do you feel that there was were any decisive moments off field where you felt maybe Arsene Wenger had lost his way a, a little bit or maybe couldn't? Um, couldn't pull it back or were quite key in terms of changing us from being that title challenging side to um, a side that seemingly were content to finish in the, in the, in the top four. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's some, my, my, cause it, they, they, everything blurs into a season a bit, but I think it was that following summer or the next summer when, so there was the summer when Fabregas said he wanted to leave but then he was sort of persuaded to stay for a year, as mm. I remember it. Mm. And then, and then the Van Persie, no, the Nazari and Clichy was it in the same summer. But I remember we were in, um, it, he was in Malaysia for um, for in that summer, and we hadn't seen um, Arsene for for many months. And there were all this sort of what's going to happen. And I think Fabregas didn't come on the tour. And I, I need to get my memory straight because I, um, I, I know that it was over two summers some of this happened. But basically, Wenger said, you can't be a big club and sell both players in the summer. So a quote to that effect. Mm. And, it was, and it was Nazri. And it, 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 it was um, Fabregas and Nazri that same yeah. summer, Jeremy. Yeah, and then yeah, Van Persie went the following summer. Did, and yeah. Van Persie, and we, that was right. So we were in Malaysia. They got off the plane, and we had an audience with with Arsene and then Van Persie. Mm. And Arsene was really—I thought he was really strong. He was like, "You can't be a big club if you sell both of them. It's not going to happen." Mm. And Van Persie then came in, and Van Persie could be quite straight talking as well. And he was like, you know, pretty sure that, that he didn't want Fabregas to leave. Yeah. And then when that's those situations, obviously, just. You know, uh, up until then, you always felt that um, Arsene Wenger was in control of that young, just quite young emerging dressing room and that they were going to stay with him. And at that point, you realised they weren't going to stay with him, which mm. was quite sad in a way, whether it was money, whether it was ambition, perhaps a combination of both. They felt like they weren't going to win. And that was the sort of moment where you thought, well, and I think it was quite symbolic once Fabregas wanted to go because he, he, he embodied that that team really that that youth policy and everything like that so i think it was that was the sort of off-field thing and and it, and then wenger lost a little bit of faith that summer face sorry mm. that summer as well just having mm. said they're not gonna i'm Go not gonna lose both of them and then the the kind of reality of 
what you would lose if you ran them into their contracts and whatever mm. and just the reality that they weren't going to sign kind of hit home mm. and then obviously the same thing happened with Van Persie as well when he had yeah. to sell it to Manchester United but I think it was that that summer when 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 you, you saw really that team was was disbanded and it actually did he was quite resilient to go I thought Benga to, to rebuild again because that there was a period there where you didn't have a great team and I remember that that weird summer when you had kind of like Mer all those players turned up on the last day Santos that must have been fun to to cover yeah, yeah how <laughs> that season really I never it was pretty it was I think Van, that was the year Van Persie sort of carried the team wasn't it but, yeah, yeah. Um, it was. It, it, he did quite well to kind of from that from 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 the Van per, from the Van Persie Fabregas Nasri team disbanding to then get to another team that was half decent and won a few won three FA Cups. Mm. I think he did quite well to because it was that was so disappointing for him. I think he invested everything in those young players and he at that point he did turn down Real Madrid. He could have. Him, for himself and he he was sort of trying to show them I'm going to stay and they didn't and then and you know Matt, you can understand it from their point of view and he, he he's Wenger's very he would understand it from their point of view as well you know he, he's he's not sort of bitter about it I don't think but yeah you just felt you just felt at that point it's not going to happen it's not you know, that, that sort of quite romantic story wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen um, no. So that, yeah, that was key that summer, but I think that was off the back of the Birmingham game. Really, that that yeah. everything sort of a lot. I think a lot flowed from that. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. You've been a you've been a star. I really appreciate you coming on, and um, I hope you've had fun as much as we have as well. Yeah, no pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. See this year has us all wanting to be healthier. And that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy. VSP, the vision coverage many people get through work, offers individual vision plans. Enroll anytime, on any device, and start using your benefits the same day. You don't need to be an employee to get employee-level vision coverage. Visit VSPDirect.com today. That's VSPDirect.com. Um, yes, yeah, so, so lads... Um Obviously, that was great for Jeremy to come on and um, um, share some time with us. Um, what was the, what what did you guys take from from that um, section that most stood out to you? For me, um, man, we really missed a trip, man. It just feels like that project youth team. Yeah, it was nearly there. It was actually nearly there, and we could have actually gone and done something. We just need a little bit more courage and a little bit more investment at the right time. And um, if we just had David Dean to push him over the edge, I feel like he could have done it. But after that, we kind of once we lost our way that after that 2011 season, we kind of lost it. So it's just a bit sad at the same time. But I still remember Wenger quite fondly. Like he's still a great uncle to me. But you know, I just it's just sad, sad. Yeah, I was I I agree with Leroy as well because I remember. Um... Because I don't know if he, there was a, an interview with Fabregas as well, basically where he was saying that season, the 10-11 season, he was begging for us to sign um, Alonso. And and you remember as well, Alonso Bear wanted to come and repeat in it, like Jeremy said just previously, it really wasn't that much. Do you know what I mean? So imagine we had had Alonso in that team, like next to Wilshire, for example, that season as well. And then maybe just another centre-back 
to play alongside Cos, and, and and it was one of those things like you have you hear that rhetoric where Arsenal are only one two players away from like winning, but generally that team was about one two players away from winning. Like if you had another centre back and a, and a and a good centre mid, um, I think I think we were there, man. We were there. So it, it's it's a real it's a real shame. And yeah, for for me after that ten eleven season, I, I do think Wenger lost his way, and I don't think I things were never even though obviously we had won a we had won a couple of FA Cups in seasons prior. We haven't had a team anywhere near as good as, as that um, 10-11 team since. since. And that, that's and we're talking over a decade again, a decade ago. So and we've got a long way to build to get even anywhere near back to that level. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna just um, say I, I agree with you both. And I think the thing that stood out for me as well, what Jeremy was saying, was um, less so about the player, more about the personality. And that's something that I've, that resonated with me because that's something that I always felt. Um, we 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 were a type of player away um, from from the dressing room, and I think maybe Xabi Alonso didn't represent that quite in a player, but I think he he as well as his um, technical quality, he would have brought uh, a, a degree of professionalism and the winning mentality to our dressing room as well. I think he would have. Um, I think he would have just brought that there behind the scenes as well. And so I think definitely a personality um, type or two was was missing, man. But it does feel like, yeah, man, we were we were always so close yet so far. What did you, you know, guys... Sorry, go on, Dan. Yeah, just, to, just to put in there, I think for me, it, it became very clear that, um, that Wenger was really very much an idolist. And um, I think Jer- Jeremy said it, right, that everyone said it was so obvious that one or two players were really just the missing pieces. And uh, I think Wenger was, Wenger was just trying to go against the grain. Yeah. Similar with the signings that he then said. So he's, he brought Uzo and Sanchez, but he could have brought Suarez. Like, maybe that Suarez wasn't even going to happen anyway, but Higuain, we need, really needed a striker. He could have brought Higuain and a different creative player or a different winger. Um, I think Wenger was very much an idolist and um, that was in the end his downfall, I think. Um, he was pretty much going against the grain. Um, but one thing I will always admire Wenger for, um, and Wenger for is his bounce back abilities. I think it's something I've never seen before uh, in football management, to be honest. Because if you describe that summer, we were we were we were basically finished uh, losing Nasri and Fabregas in one summer. The summer managed to get ha- have quite a good transfer. We get Metzaka was very good serving for us. Atete was very good serving for us, um, and that team, even though that team wasn't as good as. The, the team that, that Jeremy has described, which was, was on the brink of uh, maybe continued success if we, we made the right signings, that team still ended up being successful, had a successful period under him. And there were so many times where we, as an Arsenal fan, thought, now we are done, we are finished. Uh, we're not getting top four. We're, we're not going to do this. And then somehow he, he turned that around. So I will always admire his resilience and his bounce back ability. And of course, he, he brought all of us great memories. So it was yeah. good talking, listening to Jeremy about him. Um, what did you guys think? So I think Jeremy was kind of like you could tell he had a lot of admiration for Wenger, and yeah, Wenger invited him for wine a couple of times. <laughs> you yeah. could tell, and he was being modest about the fact that um, you know his his relationship with Wenger. But um, he he kind of said that um, you know he felt like Wenger got harshly criticised, I guess, over his overall performance um, during the Emirates era. I know you guys probably going to have different feelings towards that. Um, how did you How do you guys feel um, that Wenger's uh, performance 
you know, say, say post, post Highbury, so Emirates era, do you feel like Wenger is um, harshly criticised during that period or do you think that, that the criticism is just? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, go on, uh, go on, Sean. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, um, I, I think the criticisms were, were definitely justified. Um, at certain times they were definitely over the top, but um, I, I, think, I think the frustration partly was because of what we were and where we were. We were at the top when we, when we sort of moved to Highbury and then um, it, it, it kind of felt like the decline started to, it not, not that it happened too quickly, but it felt like we didn't help ourselves at times with certain decisions we made, certain decisions around the squad. Um, like if, if you think back to um, 06 when, and, and this always pains a lot of Arsenal fans, Ashley Cole went to Chelsea, that should have never happened. Um, I was even watching that Vieira and Roy Keane documentary. Vieira was like, when he left, he was like, he thought Ashley Cole was going to be the captain of Arsenal for the next decade. You know what I mean? So there, there were just decisions that were made sort of every summer, every season. Um, that that just felt like it, 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 it hampered us as well. And, and obviously from going from what we were, we were quite an all-powering, very athletic team um, to obviously, we, we still had, obviously, we, we were still technical at the time, but then we went to, we, we kind of went, so far to the other extreme and then we started to lack athleticism in certain parts as well so I think all of these sort of things it, it wasn't one thing it was sort of an amalgamation that sort of started to gripe on um, players and, and, and fans alike as well and and I think um, some people I think eventually just sort of lost faith in um, in his vision and, and, and none, more, none more so than Fabregas who was the poster boy at the period as well so, so it's, it's a shame and um, but yeah unfortunately I, I do feel some of the criticism was, was definitely justified even if it was um maybe at the time's a bit over the top as well. Yeah. Don't, you boys, don't you boys, sorry, sorry, just to butt in quickly, don't you boys think though that even after Fabregas and Nasri left and when it kind of sort of got a decent enough core of players back in and he, he also referenced the Leicester season and do you, you guys, for me, one of the most critical summers that we, where we really missed out was the summer where we just signed Czech on free. That was ridiculous for me. So that was again a missed opportunity where I think we just needed a striker, maybe another centre midfielder, and we just got check on the free, which which was which looked like a good signing to be fair. And I think generally, if we would have had a midfielder um, and striker and, and complete in this team, um, we would have we would have very much competed with Leicester all the way through. Um, so yeah, again, I, I, I think these yeah, I, I hear I hear you, but I think these are the these these are the issues, man. Some of the footballing decisions. Were, were were not right when they when they could have been. There's no kind of, I don't think looking back on it even, there's an obvious reason or good enough rationale for why he didn't take some of the footballing decisions where I feel he could have. And that was both um, in terms of dealings and the, the way he kind of managed the squad in terms of what came in and what came out, but also some of the actual footballing tactical decisions in games. And... Um, for me, like I, I'd always feel like, you like the criticism is just if you go out and lose to um, Chelsea five nil, if you go out and get slapped six one, if you like, Arsenal is a big football club, so losing game those those heavy defeats really, man, have 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 um, you know swiped some credibility from the club. Like you know, it's like trying to live down eight two, is like there are there are there are teams who don't have the quality, who will never have the quality that Arsenal had, who just won't go out and lose eight, 
eight two is just not going to happen. So for me, it was about some of the decisions. And I know Arsene Wenger kind of he 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 is an idealist. He's a purist. He believes in playing the game a certain way. And you know sometimes this was the price of playing expansive football. You leave yourself vulnerable and open at the back. But there were some times where we we can all see that 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 the structural issues in terms of how he set the team out. But he wouldn't he wouldn't reactive enough or he wouldn't adapt them or he wouldn't make substitutions quick enough or to change games like it, it just felt like what what is going on here so um yeah man I, I do think it is harsh there's so much sentiment attached to it because of who he is but the some of the criticism is is just for me oh sorry i thought i thought um, i thought leroy was gonna talk never mind um yeah um I've got quite a lot of listeners' questions here. Um, I think, I think, unfortunately, a, a lot of the listeners thought they were actually going to be able to put the questions to Jeremy. But um, yeah, guys, we didn't mean to con you, but uh, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we we'll answer your questions for you. Innit? So um, we'll answer the questions for you. So um, let me start. From, we've got fucking loads. So um, let me try and pick up some of the better ones. Um, Okay, so I'll start from our Discord server, actually, because we're giving priority to um, those on our Discord to uh, get to, to, to answer, to ask listeners questions, sorry. So 24 underscore K underscore G, he says, um, what has been Arsene's biggest regret in his 20 plus years at Arsenal? Any takers? I think it's got to be for me, like, those missed signings that are gonna that were gonna take us to the next level, like those seasons where we're yeah. where we were just like one player short. It has to be those because the, one league title in 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 you know one of those seasons really changes everything. You know the way he's looked at, the way you know maybe our future. You know they have to be seen as really really big regrets. It might. Be, I think the, the, these are the ones that I, I, I know about and I've publicised. But it's got to be one of the three that have already been mentioned. So, well, we didn't mention Cristiano Ronaldo, but not signing yeah, him. That's true. That I think that was before been, Jeremy's. Um, yeah, Jeremy's but that, that 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 could have been that that was um, you know the difference of half a million. Um, mm. So obviously, he's, looking back in hindsight, it's easy to say, yeah, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, he should have signed him. It's a no-brainer. But at the time, obviously, he was an unknown team. Um, Suarez, I think Suarez is probably the one that we felt like that would have been, without a shadow of a doubt, a transformative signing for us, man. Um, even with the deficiencies that we had at the back in our side, he would have made such a difference for us, man. He would have made such a difference for us. So I think he's one. And maybe, um, again, like maybe Xavi Alonso um, the thing might I, have been a regret or like, you know, I, I, it's difficult to answer. Uh, but I think, again, well, like again, the type of player um, that we just missed out on. Which is yeah, I think if you ask Benga this question, he probably wouldn't even say signings, you know. I think he'd say about, about players that left and if you could have kept mm. them on, something mm. along those lines. Um, who do you think? Which player do you think he would have he would have referred to? It probably would have been Van Persie or Fabregas. I mean, they were they were very. I think they were crucial to wherever we go. going. And really, um, as a French, I, as a, I've been playing a lot of NBA two K <laughs> lately, yeah. But as a franchise player, I mean, Fabregas was a poster boy 
Um, so he's the one that's come for the academy. He kind of, he kind of, he kind of stood for what um, Arsenal are trying to do. Of course, we're trying to put people through the academy, but we're also looking to buy the best young talent and then developing them. Um, and he really was the the absolute poster boy. And I think it probably would, would be something around Fabregas or Van Persie. I I, I also think um, for for me, just harping back to that oh seven oh eight season as well, because that that team was fantastic. It was generally, generally fantastic. You have to remember that team was, until that Eduardo injury, we were like, what, 10 points, 12 points clear at the top of the table in February. And you have to remember, Man United at these times had an elite team. That was the time they had Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez up front. Chelsea had fantastic, had a fantastic team as well. Do you know what I mean? So, And those were the teams that got to the Champions League final that season. And yet they were 10, 12 points behind Arsenal at one stage. Do you know what I mean? So, And it was after that Eduardo leg break that we completely collapsed. Do you know what I mean? So... But Arsenal were toe-to-toe levels with all of the te- all of those teams that season. Do you know what I mean? So mm. um, I, th- I think certain parts of that season were, were, were maybe mishandled because obviously we had um, Flamini. He was playing centre mid and he was doing a very good job that season. But his contract ran out at the end of the season um, and he left on a free to go to AC Milan. Um, we had bought Lasana Diara at the start of that season um, from Chelsea. And obviously he was probably thinking that, oh, he's going to be a starter. Um, and I think because of the Euros being the end of the season, he thought he was going to play loads. He didn't play and he left in January. Yeah, that was weird, had, wasn't it? Yeah, that was had, really had, strange. So we had him for like six months. And then obviously mm. we still had Gilberto Silva at that time. So he was probably feeling marginalised as well. So we had sort of three defensive midfielders who all by the end of the well, season, say, they, 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 they all left. So Gilberto Silva was like Kanye West. Lasana Diara must be the best player we've ever had that barely played for us. Yeah. Like, so, it's, it's really, well, that, it that was a, huh? He ended up being at Madrid. Yeah, yeah, he went to Real Madrid. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah that's yeah, what I'm saying. He, he did well for Portsmouth and then Real Madrid bought him. So, but you've got to remember, so that season, we, we were quite, as a team, that was probably one of the last, that and the 2010-11 teams where we had mm. very, very good balance. Do you know what I mean? So imagine that season, we went from having three defensive midfielders to start of the next season, we didn't have a single one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I do is. think I do think in terms of regret, I'm just trying to think like where this, you know, where our dominance really ended was the you know oh four, um after after we we'd won our last league title really, and I'm just wondering you know the way he got rid of Vieira, you know, like I think even Vieira was like really surprised to be sold, you know, there was constant links away with Vieira before he was sold, and then you know one year out of the blue, it was like oh. We've accepted a bid from Inter Milan. You're off, and then and then the next year it's like Ashley Cole has left, and I really think that's that's the catalyst for, you know, allowing your big players to leave the club because we didn't do that before. I'm trying to think like during like the early years of Wenger, when was we letting big players go? You know, I know he let like Ian Wright go, but you know at the time we had, you know, Anelka, we had Dennis mm. Bergkamp at the time. Well, we let Anelka go. Um, we, let, we let Anelka go, but it was that was kind of like a, a, yeah. I guess that was maybe yeah. We did let Anelka go, but that was kind of like for stupid money at the time, where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. hard to say no. But yeah. Vieira, how much we sell Vieira for? Yeah, that was crazy, man. That was Ashley crazy. Cole that for was, five million plus Galas. Like yeah. at least, really, these deals didn't even make sense was, to me. They were they were crazy deals, man. They were crazy. Um, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing about Arsenal as well. I always feel that because of our poor handling of, of, of player contracts and player situations, we, we don't ever get 
the right market value for our players. And, and, and that carries on to today with all the talk, whether it's true or not, but the talk about Aubameyang, um, even the situation that we've got into with Oba, you know, and it's kind of like, come on, man, like 20 million. Like, come on, man. It might, it might not be true, um, but that's the talk. You've just got to say, come on, man. What, what, what is actually going on at, at this club in terms of who handles and manages um, the, 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 the player comings and goings? And, and, and we need to change that, man. We need to. Yeah. Um, a deal asked, it was a question that I, I put to Jeremy actually and uh, he asked like how much did the cost incurred by the Emirates move hinder um, a bit, uh, Wenger's ability to financially compete you know with the other elite clubs at the time and Jeremy kind of had the thing uh, you know that it, it, it was it definitely did hamstrung us but obviously we're, we're still in a privileged position where you know over most clubs and you know and I think even when we have spent money, it's it's been misspent for a lot for a lot of the part under Wenger. You know, we, our, our squad is still littered with players that Wenger, uh, you know, mi- uh, used the resources poorly with, really. Mm. And the wages are have, have been quite a part of that as well, not just the um, transfer fees. You know, Wenger always had this thing about saying like he, he wanted um, parity in terms of what. Um, Players across the squad were paid, um, so that obviously impacts when you're when you're paying players like um, Bentner thirty five k, fifty k, sixty plus k a week um, at the time. Don't sound like a lot today, but at the time, um, it just yeah, it's not really what they d- deserve in my opinion. But also, it makes them harder to to to, to offload as well. Mm-hmm. And that's again it's another issue that we see. Um, today like these are the legacy bits like with players like Mickey and Mustafi and you know just their, their wages are higher aren't they so other clubs don't want to take them on you know yeah. what the thing is with me with Arsenal is I think clubs always make mistakes so you'll always have players like um, someone like a Bentner on too much money yeah, any club has this type of problem but um, we've made too many mistakes and too many errors of the same and um, this is very impactful on the club moving forward so you might have Chelsea having a disproportionate wage bill. Um, just This is just hypothetical, by the way. So, But they are good at selling players or they're good at buying players. So we were not really good at buying players for value. And we didn't really have the spending power. And then we were terrible at selling players, like actually terrible at selling players. Then we also didn't have the, the wage bill to really to really um, um, get more players in and pay them a lot. And then we also had um, a wage bill that, um, I don't know, it's just too many. I can't really think of many more, but if you get what I mean, it's like it was just too many points and we didn't really have any outstanding bits in the transfer market. I think yeah. the only thing that we had was his pulling power. His pulling power was enormous, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, we just weren't, be, we weren't able to utilise it um, often enough and well enough. And that is a, that is a failure. Um, that is probably not just on Wenger. That's, yeah. that's going to have to be... The and it was offset by, his other, by our other failings as a club. Like the pulling power was never enough because we were doing things so poorly in other areas that it just kind of like took away from that fact. Um, Tommy, Tommy Ajayi one asks, uh, Wenger has been known for his gems in the rough, but what player do you think was his underrated find? That's quite an interesting question. I don't think we've ever, I know we've covered like, you know. Good question, good question. It is a, it is a good question because we talk about players who obviously, um, who Wenger has turned into like superstars, but what about, you know, those underrated players that Wenger has found. Do any names spring to mind? 
I'm thinking like maybe Gilberto, but was was Gilberto a gem? He was a World Cup winner when he signed. I don't know if that counts. Kleb, maybe? Colo Toure was probably a gem at that time. Colo Toure, yeah, straight. Yeah. And he was very, very cheap as well. Yeah. Um, I was talking to um I was talking to Ed Aaron yesterday actually, and on his Wikipedia, it says that we got Colo Torre fr- straight from Ivory Coast, but I seem to remember him playing in Belgium. Yeah, I'm sure he was playing in Belgium. I'm sure. Wasn't he at... Um, Beveren. Uh, yeah, Beveren. Yeah. 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 The Colo Torre thing was, and Ebuwe as well, I think that there was some story about them getting them players being in an academy in um, Ivory Coast and they would always go to this Belgium team and there was like, some rumors of we shouldn't have that that was we, that was like illegal business we did apparently. Yeah, really. So what you're saying is we we took it from Wikipedia. We've removed it. They 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 their times that Beveren never existed basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think now it's a bit legalized. Other clubs do that. You have like an academy that you sponsor in in that country, and then you bring the players in. But mm. I don't think we were we were we owned that academy. Um, but yeah, I think Colotori is a very good shot for me. Koscielny, amazing signing. Mm, yeah, I was going to say yeah. Koscielny because like I, I was vexed when we signed Koscielny. <laughs> and then he got sent off in the first game, wasn't it? I was like, who the hell is this guy, man? Like, who the another one? Some hair as well. His hair was so bad. Yeah, yeah, he weren't even playing in like like one of the top teams in 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 France. I was like, come on. He man. must have but, been like because we got, got him from League Two, Arsenal. right? He came from, was it Troyes or Troyes? No, L- Lorient. Lorient. Lorient, sorry. Yeah, Lorient, yeah. Lorient, yeah. And they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were never a top French sides, I don't think. And it, that must have been one of the first oh, signings, actually, close. from the French second tier. Yeah. That um, I don't really remember too many Premier League signings from the French tier. But, that, but yeah, that's e- a really good e- shout. E- even more obvious ones, like Patrick Vieira was a gem. He cost 3.5 million. Yeah. In any era, that is a good... Like, yeah. even... Robert Pires cost six million pounds. That's an Elka five hundred k. His early dealings, he was uh, his, uh, our early dealings. But like, and, and that's probably another thing that upsets people because the first ten years, eleven, twelve years, we were cheating, uh, really, were we? We were <laughs> the way, yeah. The value we got for the money we spent was outrageous. Yeah, outrageous. Uh, Wenger had the cheat code in, in yeah, from, did, from ninety did. from ninety six to like oh three oh two. He had yeah. the cheat code for, for yeah, yeah. For he, this. He had the cheat, it was the Reyes deal when he tried to go big with the Reyes deal, mm. and, and, and he was that. under so much pressure for to do something. Like, the Jeffers deal as well, deal very uncharacteristic. Uh, that, that, that Jeffers deal was was bad. I think he was not at the time my fox in the box, but yeah, he bought in. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder whether deals like that has made him more stubborn because he's like Probably. he kind of went with the oh, all right, cool, I'll listen to you guys, and then it's like, well, I've right, done yeah. what you fucking asked me to, and they be and they both were sh- well. You know, Reyes was was okay, but Jeffers was awful. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I wonder if that makes you more stubborn as a <laughs> as a coach, where you're like, you know what, fuck off. I'm not going to listen to you, Pratt's anymore. I listened to you twice before, and it's bit me in the ass. And now, you know. just for another one, Emmanuel Petit only cost two point five million yeah. as well. So that was another cheat code. And I think um, in Vieira's documentary, he said that was out of all the partners he had at Arsenal, he chose Petit above. Gilberto and Eddie yeah. as well so and, and that's not a surprise Overmars we talked yeah. about Overmars yeah, Overmars was fantastic value how much well. I mean I imagine how much Overmars must have cost probably Overmars fucking happened. nothing and he like, and he was like one of those originals back then like he had pace to burn he was both footed mm. he panned goals like and then yeah. like I remember when when we sold I was bare upset because I, I, I was these times I still remember it I was upset when we sold him and um, Overmars to Barcelona and I was oh, like oh right. how are we going to replace 
But then obviously we got um we we got Perez, yeah. we got Perez, and it was yeah. We got him for six six million. I'm surprised. I thought it'd be less than that six million, but yeah. Because you could really you could really go for these transfer transfer windows that we um in his early years and just pick so many gems. But I, I'm, yeah. I, the recent ones, I think Monreal was a really really good deal mm. as well. Um, yeah, that, that I was good. We got you. service was, out of Monreal, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got years and he was always consistent and reliable with. Mon- yeah. Cazorla, of course, Cazorla was mad cheap. Cazorla was yeah, because we uh because Malaga were having. Financial problems, financial issues. Yeah, yeah. Kleb, I think Kleb was a, a, quite a good one. You know, how much was Kleb? He was he about like eight million, was it? Twelve, yeah. ten million, maybe. About ten. I think. Well, from my memory, I think he was ten, but I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But in yeah. that region, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just looking through some of the deals now. Um, yeah, definitely not uh, Lucas Perez. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, God, some of these deals are awful, man. Um, uh, yeah, Cazula was 17 million. Nacho Monreal was 9 million. Um, Arteta for 10. Mm. Mertesacker like, 10. There was decent money because we, we had five. He was there for like him and Mertesacker were for like five, six years. So we definitely got value out of them as well. Yeah, Kashoni 11 million. Um, Nasri 14. And Ramsey 5 million. Decent deal. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Sagna, Sagna, 8 mil. Oh. Very, very good deal. Yeah. Um, Riziki, 9 million. Pleb, 13 million. Alex Song, 3 million. Um, Van Persie. Oh, God. How have we not mentioned oh, yeah, Van Persie? Van Persie was cheap. He was like 3 million, isn't it? 4 million, Van oh, Persie. My God, we paid so- more for Emmanuel Munia that summer than we did for Van Persie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That is nuts. But yeah, um, let me let me move on to the next question then. Um, okay, man like K underscore asked, why was the Invincibles team broken up so quickly when moving to the Emirates? I think, I think partly partly financials. Mm. But um, Vieira was... I, 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 when we talk about Vieira, I think Vieira had to go to make space for Fabriga because they were never going to coexist in the same team at that time, in it, do you know what I mean? So, because which one, none of them were the defensive midfielder, do you know what I mean? So, Vieira always had um, Gilberto, Edu, or Petit like behind him in it. So, and, um, and, I, and I think that was kind of validated because the next season when we played Juve in the Champions League, um, Fabregas played Vieira off the park in it, do you know what I mean? So, as, mm. a, as a teenager as well. So, I think that one was, was okay. Who, who, who went that probably shouldn't have gone. Actually, Cole, we've already spoken about it. He shouldn't have gone. Um, what, happened, what happened with Sol Campbell? So Campbell kind of like he just went off just, the rails a bit. He went off the rails. There was the West Ham yeah. game at half time where he yeah, where he, he left the stadium. He was having issues with his dad at the time, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, went yeah, off the rails a bit. Yeah. Um, Burkamp was natural, but he was retiring. He was retiring. Um, yeah. Um, Perez was. Perez maybe. stayed for a couple more years, but he was again. He was getting older, though, isn't it? We remember with Perez, weren't we? Just no, no, no. Perez didn't. Perez didn't go to the Emirates era. Remember he after, left, he left after the Champions he League, after the Champions League final. Yeah, was but wasn't that a contract thing where we was like, um, we refused I, to give him that we kept giving him one year deals or something like maybe, that? Maybe, but but I also remember he was probably upset at being taken off in the Champions upset, League final yeah, because we but, kept on like, uh, there was others who maybe could have been taken off, but he was the one who was taken off in it. So I think, yeah, at the basically, time, it was him, it was him or Jungberg, one of them yeah. had to come. And, and, he yeah. was um, and, and we took him off and yeah. you know he plays on that left side 
Um, on re- no, but be, be, you got to remember, Haleb was playing in, but Haleb was very, very good. Like, do you know what I mean? So, oh yeah, Haleb. Yeah. Sorry. Let, let me let me tell you let me tell you the transfer business the season after the Invincibles, right? So oh four oh five, um, we uh, obviously we saw, I keep forgetting Jeffers was part of was Je- did Jeffers get a fucking Premier League medal for that oh three oh four? All right, okay. Um, I respect that though. <laughs> so, so we lost. So we, so we lost Sylvain Walter. He went to Leon on a free transfer. All of these are free transfers, by the way. Van Bronckhorst went to Barcelona somehow. What the hell? How did that happen on a free transfer? <laughs> Ray Parler left on a free transfer. Carnu yeah. left to West Brom. Um, Martin Keown went to Leicester. So that was all in the season straight after the Invincibles. And then the season after, we lost Edu. Um, I think uh, maybe... Why did, why did he go? Edu, he just, I don't know, he went back to Valencia. He went, he went to, to Valencia. Valencia. Yeah, for first team football, like guaranteed first team football. Yeah, sure. That season we lost both Vieira and Edu. Yeah, um, there was too much, man. Yeah, yeah, and then the season after we, we uh, Burkamp went, Pires went, Jeez. Campbell went, uh, Ashley Cole went. Christ, even those yeah. four names alone, that like that is Lauren, Lauren went. You know what I mean? Yeah, we. Yeah, lost. Yeah. Uh, it, within three years, we'd lost the, basically the whole team. Only, whole team. T- only Thierry Henry, um, Colo there still. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it. And Gilberto, yeah. yeah. Lundberg, Lundberg still there. I yeah, think Lundberg was still there for a bit. But it's but that was like old Lundberg. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Um, all right, cool. Um, okay. Um, all right, here's, here's a nice one. This from from Baitface Nate. Obviously, Nate comes on the podcast sometimes. Um, he asked, was Wenger right to stay loyal to Arsenal? So we always talk about, you know, us getting rid of Wenger. And he didn't deserve it. Now, nah, I'll be honest, we didn't deserve it, man. He should have cut when Ramajit was trying to give him that check. Yeah. He could have easily cut. Have as well. Like imagine, like put put it this way: imagine in an alternative universe, like like say after two thousand four, two thousand five, Wenger cuts. Everyone's crying their eyes out, bro, because we don't have a clue. We don't have a clue what's coming next in it. So, yeah, yeah, no. Nah, he, he, I wonder if he wishes he did. Do you think there's any regrets on his behalf? We talk about what would Arsene Wenger's biggest regrets would be. Do you Maybe. think one of them were to not leave Arsenal? And See, you know, because he had so many opportunities, he'd have he done had, it. He had, he had, yeah. So many opportunities, um, so many times. Yeah, it was it wasn't just Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juve. I'm yeah. sure international yeah. team as well. Listen, it? Yeah. It, was, it, it, it was every couple of years, man. Like, Isn't there a story about Man United years. coming for Wenger or something? Or have I completely made that up? I think there was around yeah. that. I think there was something around that as well. But yeah, he had so many opportunities as well. He could have cut, and I think sometimes that's why some people do look at. The, the abuse is a bit too much. They're like, listen, obviously some of the criticisms are valid, but you want a guy over the top, Johnny. You know I mean? This guy in his heyday, like, he could, he could have cut for a better different team. So, um, bit, bit, yeah, go on, bro. No, I was going to just say, sorry, bro. I was going to say, I think if he goes Real Madrid, though, when he did, when they was on him heavy, if he went Real Madrid, I think he dust down Europe, you know. I think mm-hmm. he proper dusts down Europe, you know. Yeah, actually. If he got Real Madrid, it, it would have given him, like, resource wouldn't have been an issue. 
you know, he would have been able to get in who he wanted and just... He already had, he already had the club, man. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, I think they just dust down Europe, to be fair. Actually, Lewis, you talk about biggest regrets for him is probably never winning the Champions League, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, to him, is, is, is it's a massive regret, do you know what I mean? So, And even if you think... He, he even actually... Because I remember when he's been asked loads of times, he even thinks back to 2006. They were like, we had so many... Like, even though we were down to 10 men, I, obviously, we hate talking about it, but Adomri just converted one of those chances after we won a lot. We win the game, do you know what I mean? And where we talk about we're, we're European champions, and 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 that's never, do you know what I mean? So that what well, I think that one probably knowing what it is and knowing that especially in the final that it was Thierry who had all those chances, um, probably probably hurts him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah no, hundred percent. Um, just coming away from Wenger, just a few contemporary issues bef- to, to, to talk about before um, we wrap things up. So obviously it's been announced that Premier League is back, 17th of June. We're playing Man City at home. Brilliant. Away. away. Uh, is it away? Sorry. Yeah, oh, wow. Right. It's, it's away. Even worse. Right. Okay. <laughs> I tried to make a light. Uh, I tried to make the, the, a bad situation, uh, you know, put, try to put a bit of shine on it. But um, but yeah, uh, f- thoughts on that, guys. Obviously, uh, in my opinion, Premier League was always inevitable to come back. Um, you know the, the the money factor. I've been I've been rubbing it in your faces, obviously in the group chat, saying you know I was right, I was right all along. This is my smug look on my face, so guys, I want you to take it in, all right? I want you guys to all look at me, all right? Yeah. It's a shame, Leroy. Leroy is not on at the moment. <laughs> to be honest, I think Leroy changed his tune. He changed his tune just in time to be like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna bring it back. Is Leo really? I want to look in his eye. I want to look Leo in his eye. But Leroy did say that, and that the, the impact of COVID was not as big as, as people feared. So that kind of has a, a ripple effect and then mm. kind of allows the Premier League to come back. Because I think once it started, and lockdown was such an extreme measure that we never thought we'd experience in life. So we kind of thought coronavirus is going to stay for a much longer time. Mm. And um, there's no way the Premier League could come back in time. And then somehow we're here now and it's coming back. So yeah, and obviously, in quick fashion. Obviously, we're getting panned. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, who was it, who was it that, that said we're confident? I think couple 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 of them in the group. Shabs. Shabs, Shabs, the ever the ever optimist. <laughs> you saying that? What are you accusing me of now today? <laughs> saying, that, saying that? But I didn't. Saying what I said? No, we're not. I love your back. t-shirt, by the way, Shabs. It's very um, yeah, very man, trendy. It's, it's different, man. It's different, really, you know. No football shirt. <laughs> Yeah, um, how how are you guys feeling? Like, I, I've been I've been you know kind of watching some of the training videos, trying to you know get back the um, the what to be excited about really, but yeah. But how, how do you guys feel is is gonna go? Are we are we say that again? No, I was gonna say, did you not see Martin Martinelli? Did you see him dust down Lacazette? <laughs> I'm seeing Lacazette looking trim. No, no, explain yeah, what happened. I haven't seen like, it. Like I said, it's looking cut up, but... Um, but still slow. Yeah, well, I, all I see is like, um, what's his name? Martinelli was off the ball. Laka was on the ball just doing bare bits and Martinelli just comes from off screen and just charges him, just mm. gets the ball. I just thought, that yeah, guy, man, That guy's that's hungry, need. man. That's what, that's what we need from you. He's going to bed. He's got some, you know, he's got some, he's got some biceps going, you know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Coronavirus don't me. scare Martinelli, boy. Hope he comes hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I garden every day, man. I hope he comes back hungry. I think um, it. I think injuries have to be a legitimate consideration, man. And I think if I look to Germany, 
um, especially with Haaland. I'm not sure how serious his, his, his injury is, but um, obviously they've had that period of time with no football. They also had a winter break, so further complicates things. We had a winter break, didn't we? We just had ours much later yeah. for the first time ever. Um, so it's been stop-start, really, so from December, January, and um, they've come, played a couple games. and um, they played, played four or five games already, haven't they? It's yeah, crazy, yeah. man. And that's what it is, man. It's trying to schedule all the scheduling and the timetabling of matches in a short space of time to finish it within the, um, mm. within the time frame. It's something that worries me. Um, obviously, having players back from injuries is, 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 a, is, a, is a positive Who, thing. Who's back? Tierney back? I think, every, every, I think everyone's fit. Yeah. Everyone apart from um, Callum Chambers is all right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've got any ca- any um, major casualties. Because do you remember um, Torreira had that injury and they said he was going to be out for like three months. But obviously, time's uh, gone. Yeah, yeah, time's yeah, gone yeah, and, yeah. He's, and, and he's back yeah. now. So. Hey, listen, fuck Torreira, man. That guy's that guy's <laughs> that guy's still talking shit in the press, bro. Uh, I think we could have to sell that guy <laughs> because because <laughs> he's talking <laughs> shit. <man. laughs> that was the is nice. I'm a, I'm on it, man. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think we're going to get... This is the thing. Post-corona transfer values, it's not worth selling anyone, man. It's just like... We're not going to get any I don't know, man. Like, players, like I told man. you, I'm, I'm probably deluded, but I just... I don't know why Sank inside me just says we're going to get a party. I don't know. I just feel confident that it's going to happen. Normally, I don't even feel confident about these sorts of things, but... Just I, I don't know. There's never smoke. It's the noise, isn't it? It's the right noise. It's the noise, but also you got to remember that he was. He wanted to come last summer, innit? But they said they prioritised spending the money on a forward, didn't it? So would you, would I, you swap um, Pot Torreira for Potty? Oh, yeah, easily. 100%, We're not 100%, even <laughs> thinking about it twice. <laughs> but I let, I, but I don't think Atletico would take Torreira. That's not the style. But he like Simeone likes more robust players, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't think well, Torreira suits that profile. The, 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 the uh, noise Torreira's is robust, man. They got so, he is. They got he is. But he's a little Uruguayan boy, isn't he? To be honest, the noise. The, the noise is still around Lacazette as well, being involved maybe in a swap deal. But I've seen Inter linked with him as well, so you never know. You never know what could happen. So, but, um, like a guy, man. We're getting six back to move. <laughs> but, yeah, Alan um, is fading though. Mm. Crazy. Listen, <laughs> listen, I know all about it, boy. I know all about <laughs> it. But all right, lads. Um, yeah, uh, we'll leave it there. I think we've done enough. We've given the, we've given the people as, as much as they deserve. Um, <laughs> so yeah we'll be back uh, next Wednesday I can't promise any special guests next Wednesday guys so um, but we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated but um, yeah Dan Shab Sean lovely avenue and obviously thanks to Jeremy as well Jeremy Wilson for coming on and uh, we'll be back next week remember to follow us at Touch of Goodness
Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at mrsmyers.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.